This week on Grubstakers, for our President's Day special, we will be talking about former mayor of New York City, Michael Bloomberg, the man who could have been president if only he had a little bit more money. According to Open Secrets, the combined net worth of all members of the House and Senate as of 2014 was $4.4 billion. Michael Bloomberg was worth $5 billion when he first became mayor of New York, leaving office worth $33 billion. We'll talk about uh, the very ethical ways in which he made all that money and the explosion of homeless people under his reign and why he says it's not his fault. All that and more this week in Grubstakers. Because of my success in the private sector, I had the chance to run America's largest city for 12 years. I taught those kids lessons on product development and marketing, and they taught me what it was like growing up feeling targeted for your race. And that's just, that's just not true. You know, I love having the support of real billionaires. Hey, welcome to Grubstakers. Uh, we're talking about um, New York, the former mayor of New York City, uh, one Mr. Michael Bloomberg. Uh, I'm here. I'm Senor sh- Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> uh, I'm Sean McCarthy. I'm joined by uh, my friends. Andy Palmer, what's up? Yogi Pauly Wall. Steve Jeffries. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> Michael Bloomberg is, a, is an interesting story because I guess he's like, a, a, at least compared to the first two episodes, he's a relatively self-made man. He was you know. raised in the Met- Mexican countryside. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, By a bandito. The first Latino mayor of New York City. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First and last. <laughs> It's like, uh, he was like Latino, but he was like so concerned about the white community. (laughs) He was a self-hating Latino. Um, But so he was born in... He forced himself to forget Spanish. (laughs) Which he spoke until he was 35. (laughs) It's part of the contract for Solomon Brothers. (laughs) Um, so Bloomberg was born in uh, Boston, in a, or in a suburb above Boston in 1942. Uh, like we said, middle class parents. His father was an accountant for a dairy company. His um, uh, grandparents uh, came from you know Russia. Um, and so he uh, just kind of your general middle class upbringing. He attended Johns Hopkins. He got a B.S. in electrical engineering in 1964, MBA from Harvard Business in 66, and then he went to work on Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got a sister, Marjorie Bloomberg. Uh, I don't know how old she is. Marjorie. Yes. Yes. Marjorie. Yes. Marjorie. <laughs> also forced herself to, to, to speak English. Yeah. yeah. Forget Spanish. Yeah. By, uh, Bloomberg actually got his start in, in politics by working for Reagan's Contras. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy who pulled the trigger on the nuns. <laughs> and then the Republican Party owed him a favor. Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> so he became mayor. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm wrong. It was actually the El Salvador government that killed those nuns. La Salvador. Yes. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so he worked on uh, Wall Street, um, and he eventually became a partner at Solomon Brothers in 1973, you know, started from the bottom, worked his way up. Hormanos, (laughs) Solomon. Solomon Hormanos. And uh, he worked his way up, and uh, Solomon Brothers was bought out in 1981. Uh, Bloomberg was not rehired, but he had, at that point, as a partner, he had $10 million worth of equity, which... He used to establish what would become Bloomberg LP. 
was originally called uh, Innovative Market Systems. And so Bloomberg's big thing was uh, selling data terminals to Wall Street. Um, he invented, uh, they were originally called the Market Master Terminals. They're now called the Bloomberg Terminals. Uh, uh, his first customer was Merrill Lynch. They bought uh, 22 of the things in 1982 and invested $30 million, uh, in equity uh, back in 1982. They were his first customers, and the story grows from there. So basically, Bloomberg's money comes from supplying uh, financial tools and information tools to uh, various Wall Street and other uh, brokerage, hedge fund, these kinds of uh, corporations mm-hmm. worldwide. And if you've ever tempted in... Uh and any kind of investment bank, as I did for a good year, uh, you'll you'll see these things all over the place. They have like a keyboard with um, like black keys, and then they've got some orange keys for like buying and selling. And then they'll have like the they'll have like eight different monitors like up in a grid in front of them with a bunch of graphs. And apparently, Bloomberg's software has uh, um, this like quirk to it where it's like white on black background, which is, according to graphic designers, very not optimal for the eyes, but <laughs> it's become their like trademark, so they just kept it. Really? Yeah, like yeah. The, other, the other financial data services companies, it's kind of like a joke of how, how it dated in like, <laughs> uh, late 80s look the, the, hard, the, hard, <laughs> the hardware has. Yeah, and did you know that if you if you turn on the Spanish settings, it'll be all broken and <laughs> hilarious? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. And like most of the money that that company makes is from like the like monthly charge for the terminals, right? So well, like, they they started out um, selling actual physical hardware with like the software on it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now they're doing subscriptions almost entirely of the software. Right? Oh right, right. Basically, right. the the current software. Um, I guess it's pretty common, like Microsoft does it, where it's uh, a subscription model. It's huh? It's downloadable content. You can still get it, the hardware, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the Bloomberg like, terminal loot crates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you want the extra, the extra special insider trading RPG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get a Bloomberg mechanical keyboard <laughs> and a gaming chair to go on with <laughs> Please support our Patreon. We're trying to buy a Bloomberg terminal. <laughs> if you go, play. if you go to those trading <laughs> floors, though, it does look like a sick gaming setup. Yeah, oh, but yeah. just with like graphs of how you know that's, that's like evictions on one side and profit going like up, and then profits also going up. Yeah. That's our pledge to our Patreon: is if you give us two thousand a month, we will spend it all on a Bloomberg terminal, <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll just look at it while we're recording the yeah. episodes and let you know what's on there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so just to talk about Bloomberg LP, um, he is the, it's a private equity company, so like there's limited public uh, financial disclosures from it, but he's the 80%, 88% owner of Bloomberg LP, and this is where calculations of his wealth come from. Um, uh, essentially, Forbes, as of February 2018, estimates he's worth $52.6 billion. Uh, he is per company policy not listed on Bloomberg's uh, billionaire index. Uh, because, you know, it might be a little awkward if uh, the people he employs attempted to dig into his financials. <laughs> um, but, yes, so he's the 88% owner of Bloomberg LP, which uh, has 325,000 Bloomberg uh, terminal subscriptions worldwide. Each terminal subscription costs about 2000 a month. So I think that's like 630, 650 million every month just yeah, off the subscriptions. Right. So he makes a lot of damn money. Uh, uh, eight, about 85% of Bloomberg LP's revenue comes from the uh, terminal sales and subscriptions. So basically, 
the long story yeah, but short. How many keyboards do you have that have a sell button? <laughs> <laughs> the long story short is uh, these terminals are mainly sold to, uh, you know, Wall Street, like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, et cetera, et cetera. And when 85% of um, Bloomberg LP's revenue and, of course, correspondingly, Michael Bloomberg's revenue and wealth is coming from Wall Street, he's very heavily involved in whether right. or not Wall Street is doing well. Yeah, Bloomberg and Wall Street seem to be tethered at the dick, if you know what I mean. Um, and isn't, like, Jeffries, weren't you saying that, like, the terminals are notoriously bad, like they are not user-friendly at all? Uh, it's just going back to kind of has sort of an old-school looking feel to it. Right. And you're saying the gra- graphic designers have... Yeah, have like just on railed it. on it. Yeah, because it's yeah. you know it's it's white on black. I think it's to it's not know. known for its user experience. I think white lines on a black background is something that day traders can really connect <laughs> to. But I think <laughs> no. like that, I mean the main one of the main reasons it got really 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 popular is it's um it has like sort of groundbreaking speed with which you can get oh, new data and have it categorized into the appropriate fields to make trades. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, of course, uh, the conflict of interest stuff we'll get to a little later. But um, And I also, just on that point of you know graphic designers criticizing it, I would like to say that most graphic designers are white and male, and there's kind of a resentment of a successful Latino man like Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, the successful Latino man. Let's not forget. It's Michael um, Boom Blake. Is, is he the most wealthy, the wealthiest POC? him and carlos slim trade spots that's right um he's up there but um so yeah michael bloomberg made his money uh from uh these terminals and uh as mentioned um basically mostly what we're going to talk about is his time as mayor he was the mayor of new york city from 2001 bloomberg Uh, from uh, 2002 to 2014 he was mayor for 12 years um and uh, a lot of stuff happened in that time, but mostly he spent a lot of his own money, uh, but, you know, maybe got a pretty good return on that investment. Because, as mentioned, when uh, elected in 2001, he was worth $5 billion. When he left in 2013, he was worth $33 billion. And uh, as of right now, he's worth $52.6 uh, That's according to Forbes. Um, so, you know, ha- how did he make all that money? Well, he... He stopped being the CEO. Working really hard. Yep. Mm-hmm. He stopped mm-hmm. being the CEO mm-hmm. of Bloomberg LP, but he never sold his equity or divested himself of any of that. So his uh, his wealth is uh, approximately calculated by basically he owns something like 88% of right, Bloomberg right, right. LP. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, essentially they just, it's a privately owned company. And so like Forbes, that kind of, uh, when they do their analysis, they'll basically evaluate Bloomberg LP and then just translate his stocks into net wealth. And during his mayor time, he received a $1 salary, and it turns out he never cashed any of those checks. And one of the reports I read was one guy being like, why are we still writing these checks? (laughs) (laughs) You'd think he would, like, buy one of the homeless people he threw out on the street a cup of coffee or something. (laughs) That $12 should be going somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. It was supposed to be $8. (laughs) He has it framed in a bathroom somewhere. So I guess before we uh, get uh, too far into Bloomberg's time as mayor, we can talk a little bit about Bloomberg LP. Um, 
It's just kind of like your typical Wall Street adjacent firm where, you know, very demanding work culture. You can go on Glassdoor. People talk about, you know, 12-hour workdays being very common. They've had multiple lawsuits over not paying people for overtime. You know, people are oh, expected yeah. to work a lot of overtime. And, you know, they settled one of them for, I think, $3.4 There's a few that are ongoing. Um, and they've had a lot of uh, gender uh, discrimination lawsuits. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Um, yeah, and like, you know, as someone who watches like Bloomberg uh, TV, and also, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you about just a couple of his personal quotes that are kind of revealing, but Bloomberg TV um, is, has kind of that same, you know, Roger Ailes Fox News formula where you'll have like, you know, very attractive women with the short skirts and that kind of stuff. And so I think that actually really does come down from um, uh, Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg himself. Like, uh, just uh, to give you an idea of his character, um, he has two daughters from a, a woman he divorced, um, and not long after the divorce in 1996, he was quoted telling the... The heart is a tempestuous thing. <laughs> 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 he lost his amour, and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the fiery passion was no longer there. But so in 1996, three years after his divorce uh, from Susan Brown, he told The Guardian, quote, I am single. I am a single straight billionaire in Manhattan. It's like a wet dream. And uh, apparently he has like some embroidered pillow that's like my dreams are filled with aqua. <laughs> and, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to misquote the pillow. But the gist of his embroidered pillow is that like. None of the billionaires are heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can look that up. There's also this uh, thing in 2013 where apparently at one point he like uh, made a comment on a lady's ass. He right. Said, yes, yes. He said uh, he was at some... All right. So uh, a funny anecdote about Bloomberg at a fancy party where we see the aging billionaire admiring a woman's derriere. Which, by the way, derriere is the only way billionaires call asses these days. Um, later in the evening, the host interrupted me to point out that the mayor himself had just arrived. Did I want to meet him? Sure. My friend and I followed the host over, shook Bloomberg's hand, and my friend thanked him for his position on gun control. Without even acknowledging the comment, Bloomberg gestured toward a woman in a very tight floor-length gown standing nearby and said, Look at the ass on her. Muy grande. And that's <laughs> And that's really the mayor of New York, what you want. An ass man, you know, because if the mayor of New York is a tit guy. I love the part of that where it's like thanking him for his position on gun control. And he's like, look at the ass. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, Mr. Bloomberg, I just want to thank you for putting all those homeless people out on the street and murdering Sean Bell. Uh, You're welcome. But also, check out the ass. (laughs) Oh, and it should be noted that... uh, Oh, so I did find the quote. Um, It is... uh, So this is according to the Daily Mail... uh, uh, before he was sworn in, a New York magazine reported that he had a needlepoint pillow beside his bed that read, How many heterosexual billionaires are there, for Christ's sakes? Which it's like, really? what? <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. He's got that embroidered on a pillow? I guess so. so see, he probably got rid of it once he became the mayor. So did he just like That's go so to strange. an embroidery person and be like... <laughs> Can you make me a decoration that says I, uh, I'm a switch hitter? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think he likes getting pegged from time to time. <laughs> I think uh, a Bloomberg terminal. That is not switch hitting, Yogi. <laughs> so, according to Google, he's five foot eight, and I don't believe it. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's, that's I think not when, true at all. I think even when you're like the tenth richest man in the world, <laughs> you get to put like two extra inches <laughs> yeah. on your Google results. Does that mean his ex is like six three? Yeah, he has some really tall exes. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, you look at him being interviewed by Letterman, 
And it looks like the chair's devouring him. <laughs> yeah, he is like a very stout man. Like he's not, yeah. he doesn't have a build really. He's more of just kind of like a degrading back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, just to talk about um, some of the lawsuits at, at Bloomberg LP. So, um, and again, we, we this is kind of ties back into Bloomberg's characters. Of course, he owns 88% of the company. So he had uh, one lawsuit was an executive, Miss um, Garrison. Uh, he was accused of suggesting to her that she abort her baby, saying, quote, kill it. He also allegedly said to her, great, number 16, which was a reference to the number of pregnancies among uh, his staff at the time. What? Uh, wow, what a piece of shit. Right, which is why, and so this was in the 90s. Uh, she sued him in 1997, but in 2007, the uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission uh, sued Bloomberg LP uh, for a um, systemic pattern of uh, demoting or reducing the pay of uh, female employees after they announced their pregnancy or took maternity leave. Uh, eventually, uh, they Bloomberg LP fought the suit and beat it in court in 2011. Oh, wow. But there's a, a lot of um, these kinds of uh, things. Um, oh, also, uh, one other fun thing. Uh, here's Bloomberg being self-hating from the Garrison lawsuit. The suit accused him of referring to Mexican clients as, quote, jumping beans and saying of a female worker who had trouble finding a nanny that, quote, all you need is some black who doesn't even have to speak English to rescue it from a burning building. Some black. Just some black. I mean, the Mexican comics, I, comments I can excuse because, you know, he is of the Latin heritage himself, but the some black. Uh, we'll take some questions, but first let me just try to summarize for our Spanish-speaking audience. Los vehículos que fueron abandonados en la calle durante la tormenta nos han dificultado la limpieza, pero estamos haciendo todo. Uh, lo posible y estamos utilizando todos los esfuerzos oh, que God. tenemos. Este es el esfuerzo de limpieza, limpieza so más see, grande he's, he's que ha visto nuestros ciudadanos. Speak poorly of the Latin community sure. being one of them. <laughs> Jeez, that clip is so good. <laughs> so perfect. They should they should teach that in high school Spanish classes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is what we strive to. It's Bloomberg Spaniels. Mandatory listening in the NY public school systems. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that if you hit the uh, SAP button on your television while watching Bloomberg, he will narrate himself? <laughs> um, so one other uh, big lawsuit from uh, Bloomberg uh, is, is kind of horrific. So the, the head of uh, Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg uh, Global Development... Bloomberg. Bloomberg. <laughs> uh, there was a YouTube video. El we Chapo watched. Bloomberg. There's a YouTube video we watched uh, that called uh, the Bloomberg terminals the Bloom Bubble terminals. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, God. That's good. That's good. Um, that guy was telling it like it is. You know, he really put some ominous music on that shit. <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, Nick Ferris was the, uh, Bloomberg, uh, global development business head. And he was, he, along with Bloomberg LP and Michael Bloomberg himself was sued in 2016, December, 2016, uh, for, uh, multiple rapes and sexual harassment. And, uh, just to kind of, um, summarize this, it's a New York post story. Uh, we'll link to it. It's, it's all horrible, but basically, uh, uh, the woman identified as Margaret Doe claims, uh, uh, Nick Ferris got her addicted to powerful narcotics after she started working uh, in September 2012. Um, and she t she says that she went to his apartment at one point where they downed vodka and smoked pot. And then she went to sleep in the guest room and woke up with him uh, raping her. 
And uh, then after she was addicted to these drugs, he withheld them until she agreed to go to his apartment again. Uh, that was the second rape oh, incident. Addicted to the pot and the, the, no, the liquor? Said, or They said powerful narcotics. Oh, I guess okay. they didn't specify. Mm. It seems like basically what the suit alleges is that like there was a drug culture at Bloomberg where how these 12-hour workdays happen is a lot of people are on like speed and other stuff. Sure, shit, sure, yeah. Which, you know, is not surprising. It happens all the time in the financial sector. Um, <clears throat> but just like some weird fucking stuff from this story. So like... Uh, this guy, Nick Ferris, got an adult circumcision. So, yeah, so here's part of the, the thing. In June 2013, months after the alleged rape, Ferris rapes, plural, Ferris underwent circumcision sur- surgery, then showed her graphic photos of his partially exposed penis wrapped in bandages and remarked how his circumcision made him extra sensitive to good vaginas, the suit claims. Um you know, when you want to fit in at a financial firm, sometimes mm-hmm. you have to get mm-hmm. an adult mm-hmm. circumcision. Yeah, that's how they haze one another at Bloomberg. <laughs> but and it should be noted that this woman was his employee, so he was sending her pictures of his penis. He was emailing her. Oh, here's the other fucking weird ass thing. At one point, and this is according to the lawsuit, he invited himself through coworkers uh, to the fiftieth birthday of the woman he rapes. He raped the mother. At the, he invited himself to her mother's 50th birthday party. Uh, at the party in the family home, Ferris took pictures of the woman's family photographs and later photoshopped a childhood photo of himself oh, into the pictures. What? Which is just like, what the what? fuck? He later sent the Photoshop photo to the woman. Oh, my God. That is pathetic on a lot of levels. That's so weird to be like, uh, you know, I came to your house uninvited. <laughs> I took photos of your family and then inserted myself. Aren't you impressed? Like, what? What? What is the goal well, with something like that? I mean, like that's that? that's one take. The other one is he's this incredibly alpha move. Yeah, sure, right, <laughs> right, right. You literally just write yourself into. Oh the, my god! Into my take is like, oh, he's in finance. That's who can afford Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the idea that he just like watched a David Fincher movie and he was like, this will really get her. <laughs> I will Photoshop myself into her family photos. <laughs> After inviting myself to her mother's birthday party. Um, so the woman complained. And so the, the idea that this is, you know, obviously Bloomberg would say this is a lone actor. But the woman complained to HR. Uh, claims She says that requests to move her desk were ignored. In fact, the suit claims she was later reprimanded by her boss during an investigation into another male Bloomberg employee who harassed her. Um, uh, Nick Ferris, was fi- the, the guy, was fired by Bloomberg in 2015. Uh, but he went to work on uh, at a Texas financial firm, Simpler Trading, as COO, and then he was fired when the New York Post published this story. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, and like just so wait. So the Texas company didn't know about the these these allegations or this this situation until the Post article. They either came out? didn't know or they didn't care. Hmm. Um, but it was just kind of the thing where it's like this happens all the time where they. Uh, Bloomberg only fired this guy because of him having a relationship right. with a subordinate, not any sort of rape. Yeah. So, of course, you know, they'll, they want to keep this all hush-hush, so I'm sure he got some sort of settlement and some sort of no wrongdoing, go-away right, right. payout, right. and then so, of course, he can go get another financial job and, you know, be an abusive creep. Um, and just uh, one other thing from that before we move on. Uh, so she also alleges at a 2012 Christmas party um, at the home of the executive editor of uh, the news division, Ted Murs, a, uh, another editor, Joe Bracellis or something, 
uh, made, quote, lewd comments and propositioned her to leave in a private car. And so it's just like, you know, that there's just the point of all that is there's a real culture of harassment at Bloomberg LP. And maybe they've addressed it. Maybe they haven't. But my guess is not really. Um, sure, but a corporation that's raking in money mm-hmm. from terminals and watching what the stock market is and isn't based off what their terminals say kind of lose value for people and things. Well, their their companies, you know, they make eighty five percent of their revenue off the terminal, and then they make fifteen percent off their gender enforcement projects. <laughs> <laughs> they did actually launch some sort of like gender fucking ETF or something. God, I don't know the details, so I'm not going to. Sp- talk about it but it's just like all that kind of transparent marketing bullshit where it's like you know you're a, a financial company which generally don't have good reputations for um gender equality and this kind of thing and in, in the case of bloomberg there have bloomberg lp there have been multiple horrific lawsuits and then of course there's just the comments and general demeanor of the mayor himself the former mayor and you know like this kind of fits into like a new york city political tradition you know, where you have, like, Ed Koch and, like, Donald Trump and all these other, like, outspoken uh, blowhards, Giuliani, for that matter. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, this is kind of, like, expected of New York politics. And maybe, you know, Michael Bloomberg's trying to establish, you know, the tell-it-like-it-is male image where he's, like, looking. Or maybe he just likes looking at the ass I think he just lady. enjoys asses. I think you that, uh, like a true Hispanic man, he enjoys the derriere of a, of a bootylicious baby. All right, but so anyway, so Bloomberg LP is where he got uh, his initial uh, cash uh, injection. The uh, pittance of $5 billion. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's, So sad, so, so little. He spent over $250 million on three, di- most all his own money, on three different mayoral elections. The first in 2001, he spent $74 million. In 2005, he spent $85 million. And in 2009, he spent $102 million. That's according to the New York Times. Which is puzzling because he's so charismatic <laughs> that it, it, it doesn't make sense why he would spend so much money when he already has so many natural abilities for public speaking and... Uh, what, what was the margin? What was the margin of victory for each of them? Uh, he was very close in the first one and the last one, and then he kind of got a landslide in the mid one. So like, he spent seventy four million, and he like eked out, yeah, a victory in two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's arguments that that really only happened because of nine eleven. Was like basically the Democratic primary was scheduled for September eleventh oh, in really? two thousand one, so it had to be delayed, and then you know the attacks and all that Republican stuff. Primary. Yeah, oh, he, it was the Republican. Yeah, yeah, he ran as a Republican. Ran Republican. He switched oh. right before. He did. He, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, he was yeah he was a Democrat he, and then he switched Republican. He was run. A, yeah. yeah yeah yeah. And then I think it might have been his second or third term. He switched to independent, okay. but ran on the Republican ticket. But it was I thought it was the I thought the reason that it was an advantage was that kind of delayed the Democratic primary or something. Oh, I don't know. All right, well we're getting into semantics. The point is, he got elected. He's a piece of shit. He's got shitty kids, and his company sucks. He 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 he, uh, he made his net worth ten times the amount it was during Six. the last what five billion five billion to fifty. Oh, let's oh, get into more se- semantics. <laughs> this is what the people like. <laughs> Look, as as much Look, money as Bloomberg spent on his election, he doesn't consider that what got him into office. Because of my success in the private sector, I had the chance to run America's largest city for twelve years. Yay. <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, another fun thing, uh, 
And just uh, for the 2009, his final campaign, he outspent his Democratic opponent 14 to 1. And just a wow. fun little quote from the New York Times. Uh, the campaign's union coordinator, uh, Patrick Brannon, spent $520 to dine with labor leaders at Smith & Wolinsky, the Midtown Steakhouse. So, of course, you know, a, a nice little fun way to uh, uh, solidify uh, the opposition is to um, take their leaders out for uh, steak dinners. $500 a plate. Ah, sorry. Pennies for Bloomberg. Though. They didn't even go to Peter Luger. <laughs> it's in Brooklyn. You know, and another thing, while we're complaining He's about... He's mayor of the whole city. I mean, not maybe not Bloomberg, but... Um, and another thing, while we're complaining, the roads were very bumpy on the Uber <laughs> ride over here. <laughs> and my latte repeatedly spilled in my lap. Uh, I, I did yell at the driver, and we didn't tip, but of course. really, Bloomberg owes me an apology for that. But, like, there's another thing that when you start to look at this is, like, a lot of his uh, focus was on Manhattan, and a lot of the outer boroughs really felt neglected by uh, Mayor Bloomberg. And I, you know, wonder what the difference between people who live in Manhattan and people who live in, say, Brooklyn or Queens is, or... You know, well, obviously, people fun. in Brooklyn and Queens are richer. They're, they're uh, <laughs> classier. Uh, not like those Manhattan pigs. Um, and that's just, that's just not true. <laughs> I mean, if uh, you say that, but one of Bloomberg's signature achievements was uh, revitalizing Brooklyn Bridge Park. You know, the most Brooklyn part of Brooklyn. He also revitalizes Akati Park when he got all those protesters <laughs> out of there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so anyways, uh, uh, I guess so he gets elected in 2001, he starts his term in 2002, and then this is kind of like uh, where the conflict of interest begins, because we've mentioned, you know, his uh, net worth increased so much over his term as mayor, he only took a $1 salary, uh, but, you know, he was still making all this money from Wall Street. So you can argue that New York is New York City's economy is like so dependent on Wall Street that he's, you know, just selflessly promoting the interests of Wall Street in order to support growth yeah, sure. and stuff. But in reality, there's a huge incentive to allow Wall Street to grow and grow and grow. And in fact, there were development deals we'll talk about a little bit where um uh, in exchange for hiring employees, many of whom would end up using and needing Bloomberg Terminal subscriptions, they get state and city tax abatements and uh, bonds and these kinds of things. Um, and just like another fun thing, in 2002, right after his election, Bloomberg LP released a list of the top 100 customers of Bloomberg LP without specifying total revenue or the percentage of business that they controlled. So these people that had a major financial dealings with his company were still able to lobby the mayor and discuss business deals and all this kind of stuff. And there was just really no transparency as to uh, who butters his bread, really. Right, right. So, so yeah, basically, like, right after he got elected, uh, there was, uh, he decided that he absolutely needed to revitalize downtown Manhattan uh, to recover from 9-11. And in order to do that, he just shoveled money into Goldman Sachs to put their headquarters there. Uh, they got apparently $1.65 in city and state, quote, help in the deal. What I'm pretty sure that was... Uh, it may have been the city and state help. There was all there were. Um, some of it was tax breaks. Some of it now, was rent help. Some of that, it was. Is that one point six five billion? Is that in dollars or pesos? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Sorry. <laughs> it was according to New York Magazine that uh, $1.65 billion in uh, city and state help for uh, this Goldman Sachs headquarters. And, of course, they needed the money. Oh, they couldn't yeah. have done this on their own. And along with that came about 2,000 new hires, which uh, that's a lot of Bloomberg terminals. Exactly. Every Wall Street job is basically another Bloomberg terminal sold. Right. And yep. it's janitor uh, Bloomberg. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they can't clean the thing if they don't know like what the employees are going to be mm-hmm. stress eating. That's right. That's as a right. result of that day's news, market news. Put terminals up above the urinals. Yeah. And once, when you're peeing, you got to know what the stocks are doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like a really insidious direct relationship, though, between... <laughs> Like Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, and all them. Right. Oh, of course. And his it's political horrifying. I can I can see a janitor just like you know sitting down at the Bloomberg terminal, and being like, "All right, Bloomberg LP about to uh, gain profits by laying off the custodial staff." What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, just like another. So one last thing about Bloomberg LP is like it is kind of like this same Amazon work culture where every single employee knows when every other employee enters and leaves the building. Oh, really? And when they log into their mobile phone app or whatever. Huh. So there's a lot of incentive to. It's like what's the name of that prison where you can see everything? I don't Facebook. Know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's called like the not the octagon, but something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, man, if we were a smart show like Chad, most would know these things. <laughs> Panopticon, that's it. Panopticon. Well, so anyways, the idea is like you kind of establish this uh, policing each other, and it's, you know, like uh, Bloomberg LP is about 10,000 employees, and uh, some of them make decent money, but it's still like 88% of this is going directly into Mayor Bloomberg's pocket. So, Which is why he owns that much of that company. You're exploiting yourself for this man who isn't even five foot eight people. <laughs> <laughs> El Chapo Bloomberg. Um, so, yeah, I think we should talk about the homelessness. Is the other thing. I mean, now let's go to the the protest. The the, the occupy. Oh yeah, occupy. Yeah, let's, go, let's do occupy first. Well, so of course, like uh, when all your money is coming from Wall Street, Bloomberg has always been a defender of Wall Street, and uh, he. Um, I think we can find the audio drop where he blames the financial crisis on Congress instead of Wall Street, which is ridiculous and has been debunked multiple times. Um, but basically, of course, when uh, a protest movement springs up against uh, your main customers, uh, you might want to uh, use your private army, the NYPD, to uh, disperse that protest. Right, right. Um, and you might want to do it at 1 a.m. Uh, <laughs> in cordon off 10 city blocks to... <laughs> To do it, and so you remember the uh, the timeline of Occupy because I think it started in '09 and no, it's it started in 2011 in September. Oh, okay. And well, the was... eviction was not that long after that. Actually, it was in November, right. November uh, middle of November in 2011. Yeah, it was really fast. And it was just almost a blip. Yeah, uh, I mean, it had per, you know obvious profound political consequences for the U.S. And Bloomberg is actually instrumental in you know shaping the course of those events. When he uh, evicted like peaceful protesters, and you know they had like a free library, and the NYPD just ripped up the library and dumped it into the East River. Did they really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was. I don't know. Well, um, I was actually I was there for. I wasn't in the camp, but they they shot there. one of the books fifty four times. <laughs> yeah, they all. There's a firing line for for the books. <laughs> Just like somebody throws a black book in the air and suddenly it's hit with a shotgun. Yes, of course. 
Well, the way they evicted him was the alien Gonzalez strategy. They planted a gun on another book. (laughs) It's out of habit. (laughs) Yeah, um, it's totally in keeping with his generally pro-Wall Street um, bent to have that brutal crackdown. Oh, yeah. It's horrifying. And, of course, you know, like, uh, people can argue as to how much um, this... uh, how much control the city has over Wall Street as opposed to state or federal regulators. But his public comments have always been, you know, there was no fraud or no significant fraud on Wall Street. Again, there's mountains of public evidence to the contrary. And that, of course, he buys into what is the conspiracy theory that Congress created the housing crisis, which they sort of did, but through deregulation, um, through lack of oversight on derivatives and other products that blew up. You know, it's like very, a very small percentage of subprime mortgages actually went through Fannie and Freddie. Uh, it, these, these were private corporations, the major Wall Street players trying to sell these things uh, to suckers, basically. Yeah. And I think... That's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> he has a, another clip where he basically like, it, it, the more complex the instruments get that we are tasked with, um, gathering data for the more of these terminals we're going to keep selling. Yeah, it's uh, very cyclical how he's uh, built his net worth. And it's interesting because, like, there's no, like, you, you can't just Google Bloomberg corruption money because it's, like, technically all legal to be like, well, I support them and they support me and we all make a lot of money, but a whole bunch of people get fucked in the process. Mm-hmm. Why would you think that? Um, And just like another thing on the financial uh, So his live-in girlfriend uh, is Diane Taylor And he helped get her appointed the New York State Banking Superintendent From 2003 to 2007 Again, you can argue how much she could have actually done To stop the financial crisis But certainly her incentive was not to do anything And nothing is what she did And she testified before the Senate in 05 She didn't raise any alarm bells about any of these things She was supposed to be overseeing I wonder Uh, why Exactly (laughs) You know it's like when your fucking money comes from Wall Street profits, you're not going to harm those profits by imposing regulations that might uh, kind of strangle growth that is inherently fraudulent and going to explode as it did in 2007. I don't know. You don't know. And the other people don't know. And sorry, just one other fun thing about his girlfriend. Uh, in 2011, she was the uh, chairwoman of the Hudson Park River Trust while also being on the board at Sotheby's. And at that time, Sotheby's had locked out striking union workers mm-hmm. for uh, four months. Um, and they confront- some of them confronted her at this uh, Hudson Park River Trust meeting. And, uh, of course, uh, they asked her, you know, they told her stories about how they were losing their health care and these right. kinds of things. And they asked her to use her position as board of a Souther- on a, as a board member of Sotheby's to help out the striking workers. And she had a very different response. I have one thing to say to you. I've had one conversation with Bill Ruprecht about this. And I told him that if he accedes to any of your demands, I will resign from the board. That's all <laughs> I have. So, of course... This is in response to a worker telling her that they are losing their health care. They have been locked out of their jobs for four months. They want to go back to work. Right. Um, and she says, if you exceed to any of their demands. By the way, their final demand was a 1% pay increase per year over three years. Yeah. So, and this is a person who, like, if she resigned, nothing nothing controversial happens if she leaves this group. She is not really benefiting it outside of her uh, affiliation with Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. And these are... Uh, uh, 
the Sotheby's employees are kind of the um, more manual labor that helps move around the paintings you hear sell for $500 million or whatever. You know, so it's like these are blue-collar workers not making a lot of money. She's married to, like, the 10th richest man on Earth. Or not married. No, living yeah, girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the 10th richest man on Earth. And it's like... You know, there's, there's the thing with rich people is they assume any kind of criticism is like an attack on them well, personally. You've, you've got whereas, to really admire her ideological purity and her like she's really principled. Her yeah. commitment right. to class uh, you can't, warfare. You can't say that about a lot of plenty uh, of politicians. Me? Good news, guys. Drops are back. Great. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they're they're asking for a one percent raise. Right. <laughs> and willing it's like, to resign. It's people who are like, Hey, I don't know if I have health care anymore. I, I could be dying soon. I don't know where I'm gonna fucking live. If you guys want a livable wage, I will resign. Like it's like shut the fuck up. I don't know. I'm so pissed at her. It's like we need that extra point zero zero three percent in right, our bank accounts. Right, right. We need it to sit it there so we can look at it uh, and move a little bit up on the Forbes list. Yeah, Buy, buying one painting, holding it for a year, and then selling the same painting again uh, would like is a larger margin than their entire demand. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's like it's a decision. It's just a yes or no, and they're like, we're gonna say no because we don't know how much more human dignity you're gonna ask for afterwards. <laughs> like, it's just fucking ridiculous. By the way, I made the assertion earlier that the idea that Congress created the financial crisis and not Wall Street was ridiculous. Um, we're going to do another episode going more into that on the future, yeah, I think. Yeah, sounds great. Um, I uh, just, you know, I know somebody's going to get pedantic in our comments section. I want to talk about... It's uh, insulting to America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Bloomberg family is interesting. He uh, has a sister that I mentioned earlier, Marjorie Bloomberg Tyven, and... Uh, Tyven? She, yeah. That's of her, House Lannister. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, she is the commissioner for the U.N. Counselor Corps and Protocol, and uh, according to a New York Times article, an important but little-known job as New York City's liaison to the U.N. overseeing a staff of a dozen. All right, so here's the thing. She doesn't get paid to do this job, so it's not a job. Uh, it's a volunteer program that she uh, has a great title for. But more importantly, there's, like, no information on this sister. Like, you can look up the uh, wor- world of how Bloomberg uh, lived and did his shit and wh- what school he went to and stuff, but Marjorie's got zero information. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where the rich continue to hide their secrets, which is bullshit. Um, uh, I, I always just assumed they had a massive anti-PR <laughs> campaign <laughs> that ma- just turns them invisible. And they're like, yes. what, if, what if I told you I could make you completely meaningless <laughs> to the outside world? Um, he, he has uh, two daughters, uh, Georgina and uh, Emma, and Emma is like kind of smarter than Georgina, according to Georgina. But um, why would you think that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Georgina, what's interesting is she's a, a philanthropist, like everyone else in the Bloomberg family. Uh, she rides horses a whole bunch. Uh, she calls it being a professional equestrian. Uh, one of her uh, ridiculous. <laughs> one of her charities is like. Basically, if you want to ride horses, you got to buy some, you know, rich ass bitch ass clothing, and uh, people that are broke can afford it. So she, <laughs> so she basically donates her old clothing uh, to an organization. Uh, I can't remember the name of it because uh, why would I remember the name <laughs> of a piece of shit like that? But the best thing about Georgina, just imagine like a family and a shelter that's trying to get pushed out by like Mayor Bloomberg, and like the little girl just has like a a Bloomberg. Uh, riding helmet on <laughs> she's sitting on a spring cot yeah right, right, right. like while her parents sob over eviction uh, papers um 
The best thing about Georgina is that between 2011 and 2013, uh, four books were released, and they're uh, young adult horse fiction, and the thing is... Is, is it the erotic kind? <laughs> the covers make it look like they're fucking a horse. I'll tell you that right now. Um, my favorite thing is, like, there's a lot of Amazon reviews, and uh, a good chunk of them are like, this book sucks. <laughs> maybe maybe she got into horses because her dad is the height of a jockey. <laughs> <laughs> In like a few videos of her, um, just like talking about her horses, it's very like this is uh, Matra Simone. Uh, she's a horse from Europe, and it's like she's describing horses with more love than her father's ever shown for her. Like it's very, <laughs> very apparent. Um, oh, just one other thing on Bloomberg's kind of conflict of interest. So after the financial crisis, uh, Senator Jim Webb um, circulated an amendment to slap. Uh, a 45% tax on Wall Street bonuses in excess of 400000 from any firm that dipped into the uh, TARP fund, mm-hmm. you know, the Wall Street relief program from the federal government after the financial crisis. So, of course, Bloomberg circulated a memo to members of the New York congressional delegation uh, urging them to oppose this. And he said, quote, well, I understand the emotional and political appeal of such an amendment, a dispassionate analysis. Dispassion, of course, doesn't... Um, include how much he benefits from Wall Street bonuses right, right. and these kinds of things. A dispassionate, dispassionate analysis reveals just how unfair it would be to New York and how badly we would be hurt at a time when we can least afford to lose jobs and tax revenue. And of course, that's this my, is... That's one of my favorite things to hear from like a, a billionaire is you, you'll see it a lot. Like Bill Gates says it too, is just sort of the thing where it's like, Everyone says things are so bad now, but they're just being emotional. Uh, <laughs> like, uh. Right. It's yeah, a guy yeah. in a car with heated the, seats and a full jacket being like, why is everyone cold outside? Yeah, yeah. Steven Pinker type. Like, uh, <laughs> the world uh, violence has decreased, you know, the oh, 70% yeah. since, <laughs> since 100,000 years ago. Yeah, so yeah. it's really great now. Yeah. Mean, meanwhile, he just Bloomberg is wiping his ass with 500 euro notes. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's just a lot of emotion going on mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. this is like 45% tax on bonuses in excess of $400,000. Right. This is a tax on the richest of the rich, only at firms that are receiving bailout the people money. who need it most. Exactly. And of the course, real victims of the financial crisis. Webb's amendment was eventually defeated because, you know, it's the United States Senate. What do you expect? But anyways, um, so I guess we can talk about homelessness as well, because that's really the other part of the conflict of interest, where um, homelessness drastically increased uh, under Bloomberg's uh, term. I think it doubled. It it increased, I believe, by 66. Oh, wait. uh, It increased 69%. Oh, my God. (laughs) Nice. Since Bloomberg (laughs) took office. That's where he stopped it? <laughs> I think it was in his final year, and it was like you know forty five percent, and he's like, "We can do this." Come on, guys. <laughs> he was like, he said he he sent out a department wide directive, like, "Let's get it up for twenty percent." Wall Street bonuses have, have increased four hundred twenty puff puff passive percent. <laughs> oh man! But, so yeah, Bloomberg's. Uh, homeless policy like he, he's had plenty of controversial policies um, you know stop and frisk all that kind of stuff and he likes to take credit for making New York prettier and such but really the most I think atrocious aspect of his uh, tenure as mayor was establishing the 311 hotline <laughs> <laughs> 
That's actually, there's actually a little interesting tidbit about that I'll get to in a minute, but um, is, so yeah, there was just an explosion of homelessness under Bloomberg, and I think people can argue, and I'm sure the Bloomberg administration did argue that it that had to do with the That we wish it was a literal explosion. <laughs> <laughs> it, right. Um, there was the recession, and there's, of course, rising property values. So it's like, before we started researching this episode, I thought Bloomberg was at, you know, kind of more like a negligent actor. Like, right. homelessness increased, he didn't really give a fuck. But it's like, once we started researching this, it's like, no, he actually pursued policies that exacerbated homelessness because the Bloomberg administration believed homelessness was caused by laziness. Right. Yeah. If you look at most of Bloomberg's like homelessness quote initiatives, uh, they occur before and after the, uh, I mean, everything occurs before and after something, but like they occur either in the years before the, um, the housing crisis or significantly after the housing crisis, like after 2010 when we were in a quote recovery like homelessness kept going up in new york city and it was definitely deliberate policies by bloomberg like he he basically when he came to office um he wanted to get people out of shelters because apparently keeping someone in a shelter uh costs thirty six thousand a year and he was known as kind of this this strong um this strong kind of like fiscal guy who you know fixed up the budget for socially, socially liberals fiscally conservative right yeah yeah very fiscally conservative um and you know apparently he put some of his own money into the new york budget uh but also he just like along with that he just in the name of helping the budget just gutted a bunch of homelessness pro uh programs uh let's see he also uh, initiated the program where he would pay for you to fly, if you're homeless, to a family that would take you in anywhere in the world, basically. So if you're like, I'm homeless, but I've got family in in uh, Wichita, he, he would pay to fly you out there. And it's like, hey, if homeless people have people willing to take them in, like a flight helps, but also, I don't know, how about just taking care of them yeah. and then letting their family come and pick them up type of thing? Like, what, what yeah, are you doing? It, it's sort of displacing poverty. He's like, oh, okay, well, you know, there's a homeless problem in New York, so let's make them a burden on someone else. Right, That's right. That's chief exports. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, homelessness export, you know. Say what you will about Bloomberg, but... And also, these were first-class tickets he was offering. I just wanted to... <laughs> this is bringing a lot of business. Yeah. <laughs> the airports, he, anyway. Yeah, Giuliani right, right. was known for busing homeless people, uh, but Bloomberg took them to the skies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, uh, it ruined the MTA, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when Bloomberg he, he came into office, he claimed that um, the shelter program, what, one of the big problems of it was that it was available to everybody and a quote from him was you can arrive in your private jet at kennedy airport take a private limousine and go straight to the shelter system and walk in the door and we've got to give you shelter which Uh, and it turns out that's a huge problem yeah yeah (laughs) and people say being worth 52 billion dollars detaches people from reality And during this time, he, he Bloomberg said that the city's taxpayers just cannot go subsidize everybody's rent. Uh, and he then urged uh, city residents to call their lawmakers and have um, and get them to end uh, end a lot of the um, payment for shelters. 
uh, just saying, just telling their lawmakers, we ain't going to do this anymore. Right. That was his uh, thing. The thing is, when he says, like, uh, the city taxpayers can't go subsidize everyone's rent, at the same time under Bloomberg, there was a massive building um, boom, uh, which, you know, if you visit New York City, is just, it's staring you in the face. There's massive um, skyscrapers everywhere uh, that are uh, basically function as money laundering vehicles for uh Russians uh or basically any kind of billionaire who wants to stash okay their money Rachel away. Maddow <laughs> <laughs> it's uh the apparently the Census Bureau estimates that 30 percent of all apartments in the quadrant from 49th to 70th Street uh, between Fifth Avenue and Park Avenue are vacant at least 10 months a year and what's interesting about this and Sean knows a lot more about it is that like uh when people buy condos in these massive like you know money laundering places they end up paying about one hundredth of the property taxes that regular people do so they pay almost nothing in property taxes like these one of them in um i I forget the one of the massive towers 157 uh which has a roof that's higher than the world trade center the uh 89th and 90th floor uh condo it's split between the two uh sold for something like a hundred million dollars or 90 million dollars and they paid seventeen thousand in property taxes. What? Right. Which is an effective tax rate of zero point zero one seven percent. Yeah, it's nuts. There's, I mean, there's like a system of abatements and exemptions, particularly for developers, that almost always they're they're touted as helping, you know, uh, keep low income residents or whatever. But there's there's all there's really no um, enforcement system that checks to make sure that developers are actually providing these. Uh, low-income units so they just say they're providing this or that low-income unit and in reality it's just this huge giveaway to building developers right. through in the form of tax abatement tax exemptions and then there's the whole tax class system which we'll get into in a future episode but the long and short is like a tax class one property is a single family or one to three family residential that's t- that has caps on how much property tax assessments can go up but the thing is a one to three family residential in manhattan has these same caps as one in East New York. So it's like a lot of properties in very high value areas are getting undervalued by these kinds of uh, classifications. And they uh, like a lot of these investors and developers are essentially like when they make a decision to buy and hold a property and have thus have no one actually live there. There's sort of like a, there's like an option price for real estate. Like it's not as simple as a supply and demand argument where they mm-hmm. where you say like, well, there's not enough supply, so uh, right. That's the so, reason why price is increasing. Like, no, they're just holding it because they want the political situation to to turn in their favor and have it be rezoned. Right, right. Oh, and then right. that has the effect of like, well, now there's less housing for everyone else. Exactly. Yeah, there's and, plenty of housing stock. It's just a lot yeah, that's not being right. used. Right. Right. Yeah, well, you were yeah. saying that uh, play uh, that there's like that block that's expensive. vacant ten months a year or something. Or what were you saying on that? Because I've heard stuff like that, where there's just yeah. like blocks in Manhattan where the majority of properties are vacant for most of the year. 30% like, have um, uh, 
are vacant 10 months a year. Right. And, and so that means that a higher percent could be like, you know, six months a year. This is in the middle of the homeless crisis. And like in my perfect world, you would just seize these and put homeless people in them. But at minimum, you can tax uh, non-vacant or non-primary residence properties. You can slap taxes on it, which is what a lot of jurisdictions do. But of course, this was never pursued by Bloomberg or uh, to the best of my knowledge, de Blasio has not either. And under Bloomberg, rents went from about 2000 per unit. Uh, in 2002 to uh, 3,000 when he left office. So that's 50% increase. And also wages dropped, and so people weren't able to keep up with rent, and that also drove the homeless problem. Uh, on top of that, uh, there were several programs that were instituted by Bloomberg that also pushed the homeless problem. One of them was that he... Um, in well, 2004, he promised to decrease homelessness by two-thirds in five years, and instead it increased by 60%. Wow. Fuck yeah, dude. What a fucking piece. Uh, <laughs> but, so, I got to find some of the uh, programs. Well, something we could talk about is Advantage, which was a, um, a subsidy for uh, subsidized rent that I believe Bloomberg uh, implemented in 2007 as a way of shifting away from the shelter system. Because as we've mentioned, Advantage would give people, I think, ten grand a year, whereas shelters cost like thirty-six grand a year, approximately. Um, so they pushed this Advantage in two thousand seven, but then, of course, he defunded it. So as of uh, two thousand fourteen, according to the Gotham Gazette, uh, eighty-five hundred families were pushed back into the shelter system as a result of the collapse of Advantage. Yeah. Overall, yeah. is like a much less efficient system, even yeah. on, even on his own terms of right. trying to shore up the budget. Exactly. So it's like because uh, uh, do we have the clip of the um, director of uh, homeless policy? Yeah. Uh, but it, it just kind of like uh, it shows you their attitude, which is that homeless people are lazy or not working. When of course, you know, many of the uh, advantage recipients were working, and many homeless people are working. Well, it's really it's especially insidious since now they have to say. Well, we now spend almost a billion citywide on homeless programs, mm-hmm. whereas before we spent much less and got much more. Now, so weren't you saying, Stephen, that um, uh, they kind of transferred control from the federal government to the state and city government for the homeless problem? Or at least they did something with the FHA? Well, that- the, um, the original case for getting onto the short-term rent assistance program that you're talking about was mm-hmm. that the FHA program was too... Uh, it wasn't well. I mean, this is the real reason was probably wasn't in line with his ideology. Yeah, yeah. Trying, I mean, if you just give someone a house, well, it's yeah, it's uh, in a, one of the FHA properties, right? Uh, yeah, and, and it's kind of a thing where uh, the state and local government move away from this federal assistance, which of course you know the federal government has a lot more money; they can print money as well. And it goes to the state and local governments, which had to slash their budgets as a result of the recession. Um, so a lot of people were left stranded. So one of the things that uh, Bloomberg tried to implement was a strategy called rapid rehousing, well, which would essentially move people from shelters to permanent housing as quickly as possible, which. Uh, seems like it would be uh, a good idea, but the way he implemented it, the way he enforced it was um, his Department of Homeless Services ramped up placement quotas on city shelters to where if they didn't place a certain number of people in permanent housing, it would cut their funding by up to 5%. Uh, Alpha. (laughs) Basically putting them under the gun. And so what happened was an explosion of these um, 
these things called three-quarter housing, which is uh, basically a reference to halfway homes, which are these for-profit housing complexes uh, that will just get filled with people who are coming from shelters. They're generally not much better than shelters. They're falling apart, a lot of them. Um, they're rife with like basically uh, grifters who will take people's government checks and then not pass them on to the landlord and then skip town, stuff like that. And people, the uh, people who are operating these houses will throw out tenants um, for such things as calling 311. Uh, what? Really? Yeah, yeah. If they call 311 to report like the heat's not on or that kind of thing. Yeah, or, yeah. And then... Uh, wow. and then um, and basically the idea is like after I think it's uh, two years, their uh, Medicare reimbursements will run out. And so, or, and so, oh wait, six months or nine months. And so that gives them incentives to push people out. And essentially people just go into these houses, get kicked out of them and have to go back into the shelter system right, almost right. in a revolving door kind of way. Uh, well, and the whole thing is just a lack of empathy. Did we find the clip yet? This is Department of Homeless Services Commissioner Seth Diamond speaking at the new school. We must reject the misconception that a rental subsidy is the only ticket out of shelter. The evidence is clear. Most families can work and want to work. I think by evidence he means the ideology. Perfect. Bloomberg also said at one point, uh, you never know what about his like um he tried to shut down the advantage program, which also would help like secure people in um in their own apartments after leaving shelters, but right. then he would say, You never know what motivates people. Uh one theory is that some people have been coming into the homeless system, the shelter system in order to qualify for a program that helps you move out of the homeless system. Wow. So in his mind, people are taking advantage of homeless resources he, to stop being homeless. He, you know, those he freeloaders. Actually, he said that quote while he was wearing platform shoes while standing in line to ride a roller coaster that he wasn't <laughs> tall enough for. <laughs> um Oh, just another horrifying thing on the homeless stuff. So he uh, basically proposed uh, slashing advantage and all these other cuts in the homeless stuff in uh, 2010. Um, and uh, there was a rally that I watched. But basically, a Bloomberg administration report at that time, as of 2010, found there were 3,800 minors homeless in New York as of 2010, with hundreds of them uh, prostituting themselves in order to survive. Wow. And... Knowing that, this was the Bloomberg administration's own in-house report, he still proposed cutting street outreach in half, later completely eliminating it, uh, drop-in centers in half, uh, and then, of course, he slashed the Advantage rental voucher, which, as we mentioned, threw 8,500 families back into the shelter system. He also tried to, uh, to limit emergency sheltering, which, you know, when you need to go to a homeless shelter, it shouldn't be an emergency uh, but that was actually struck down by the New York State Court of Appeals, uh, which when it, when when a state they were like, court, you know, I haven't really looked at the Constitution, but I don't think you're allowed to let people freeze to death. <laughs> so he went from some of the lowest cost options that got people homes quickly, like the FHA units, right, or even the temporary assistance, and like a lot and of those went to like the highest cost. Which, 
as yeah, a it's reflex so stupid. back to the shelter system. It's, yeah, yeah. it's just based on hatred of the homeless, where it's like it didn't even save the city or the state money. It cost them more to increase the homeless problem. Because with the FHA, I, I don't have the budget in front of me, but I'm sure some of those costs are taken on by the federal government. It'll where, be on our Tumblr. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll look this up later, guys. We did too much research. No, but, but it's crazy, though, that, like, uh, once again, Bloomberg's uh, altruistic nature seems to be that, oh, he put efforts into making society in New York better. But then very quickly, after a little bit of research, you go, oh, no, he just kind of halted it and then propped it up and then re-halted it. Like, right. Well, it's, it's like it ultimately comes down to, like, in his mind, you know, he's a billionaire. He's a, quote, self-made billionaire. So to him, it's like, oh, everyone responds to these pure, like, capitalist motives. If you give people incentives, they will respond to this incentive, you know, uh, basic, like, behaviorism type stuff. Like, right. if the rat gets zapped, it won't it won't bite the thing that zaps it anymore. Right. And then he, you know, extended that to, because that's basically how he sees homeless people. Yeah, if you're walking so, around, we should be able to stop and frisk you. And if you yeah. don't like it, I mean, that's on you. I mean, I don't yeah, see yeah. what's wrong with invas- <laughs> invading your personal space because you could be a criminal, especially if you're black or brown. Yeah, yeah. And like, that also that also took off, uh, I don't, we haven't talked about that yet, the stop and frisk, where it just, it, it was a, kind of a program that, existed before Bloomberg, but just took off under him. And he claimed it was for firearms, though he later had a quote towards the end of his reign as mayor that was like, there's no way of knowing just how many firearms we took off the street from stop and frisk. Go fuck yourself. And it's like, yes, but I don't think that means what you think it means. Yeah, and there's a great news report where uh, he's talking about stop and frisk, and he's like defending it to the nth degree. You want to play that drop? Yeah. Also, he didn't allow the creation of new shelters, I believe. Just to tie into that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you're fine. You're, you're, you're right. You know, yeah. so here's, here's, we did the research. I wanted to get into the microphone. I get it. I understand. Here's, here's what Bloomberg had to say about stop and frisk and uh, its targets. In that case, incidentally, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. Thank you very much, Yogi, in the post. Um, but, like, I mean, what's crazy is how he is um, a megalomaniac and also is a piece of shit. And also, his daughters aren't that hot. And it's like, if you got that money, yeah, sex them up. Well, yeah, so uh, we're kind of wrapping up. And there's, again, like with all these guys, there's too much to talk about. But um, just... real, real quick, I want to do one last thing. Uh, there's the news uh, uh, report of, like, he would use this helicopter dock that was supposed to be yeah, closed I on the weekends. That. But uh, And it's funny because, like, yes, okay, that's, that's wrong and Bloomberg shouldn't do that. But the people complaining also have <laughs> oh, a yeah. view of a helicopter dock in the water. Like, it's yeah. like rich people complaining about rich people. Oh, yeah, no, on the news report, you could tell these people were worth millions. Yeah, right, Just right, bitching right. about Bloomberg making helicopter noises while yeah. they're trying to fucking enjoy their uh, Charlie Rose program <laughs> or whatever. Um, but uh, so it, it, one thing is, like, a lot of defenders of Bloomberg will point to his philanthropy, and he's, uh, he's one of the billionaires who signed the Giving Pledge, mm-hmm. which is the idea to give away at least half their wealth, right. which would still leave him with $25 billion, but whatever. A measly $25 billion. <laughs> but, uh, um, Just enough to live on. <laughs> but there is something inherently insidious, especially during the time he was mayor, about that giving, where there are lots of nonprofits in New York City, including Coalition for the Homeless, which was very brave of them to criticize him so vociferously and bring such attention to the problem of his homeless 
policies because nonprofits do take money from the Bloomberg philanthropies. And of course, when the mayor, uh, when so many of these nonprofits rely on that money in New York, they're not going to criticize the mayor because that's, you know, biting the hand that feeds them. Yep. So his philanthropic givings become another lever of his power, you know, and, and there's just all these corrupting effects that money has that, you know, is not really talked about <laughs> in uh, in these contexts. Bloomberg is the richest politician in the world, probably in history. Yeah, I bet. And I mean, the reason that he is able to, you know, multiply his net worth so much is because who, who would criticize him? How could they survive? And on top of that, like, you know, when his biggest crit- criticizers are people that have less than a percent of his net worth, he's bulletproof. I mean, like, you can't stop that. Why would you think that? <laughs> um, well, I guess just to uh, wrap up, uh, I think everyone here should check out Coalition for the Homeless. Uh, they do a lot of great work. Um, yeah, they were they were a great resource. Yeah, the, they definitely highlighted just what Bloomberg has done. Uh, in this administration. And, you know, we didn't even really get to Bloomberg's uh, promotion of charter schools. You can look up all the criticisms of Success Academy and how basically education is being privatized throughout the country. But New York City with Success Academy was really the, um, what do you want to call it, the lab in which this kind of experiment spread, where in the case of New Orleans, uh, you know, there's these charter school boards that are private boards that are controlling education instead of... uh, public uh, um, input for however flawed the public school system is. But they're using public money for it. Of course, of course. Um, Private control with public money. (laughs) The uh, The socket to me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also, just like uh, one other fun thing, Uh, as we mentioned, his administration definitely neglected uh, Queens and uh, Brooklyn and some of the other poorer areas. Uh, 19 hospitals in the city closed during his time as mayor. Um, He didn't get involved saying, quote, the reality is you can't have a hospital on every corner. What? Uh, And just one other thing, the average wait time in Queens for a hospital bed is 17 hours. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) So one problem we have is having too, too easy of access yeah. to healthcare. You could have, local can't level. have a hospital in every corner, but you could have a Starbucks. Yes, of course. <laughs> and a city and a Chase Bank. And a Dwayne Reed. Right. And it's certainly a Bloomberg terminal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, did, we didn't talk. I mean, anything else to really get through when we wrap up here? Well, I think lastly, I do want to mention, I'm pretty sure Bloomberg does not eat the butt. Um <laughs> He's a good admirer. admirer. I, I don't think he can even get up that high. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> he eats the toes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so on that, buenos noches. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Toodles. The mayor's comments infuriated many. They couldn't believe what he said. The asshole Michael Bloomberg crippled the whole city by closing down the subway. No businesses could open because nobody could get to work. Overkill. Very big mistake. Another blunder by Bloomberg.